all over the place. So you reached out to a Merrill advisor and with their help, charged ahead. And unlike your fishing stories, <laughs> you won't have to go overboard. Find an advisor at ml.com slash bullish. Merrill, a Bank of America company. What would you like the power to do? Investing involves risk. Merrill Lynch, Pierce, Fenner & Smith, Incorporated, registered broker dealer, registered investment advisor, member of IPC, a wholly owned subsidiary of Bank of America Corp. You're listening to 95.7 The Game, KGMC FM at HD1 San Francisco. Always live on the free Odyssey app. Back to Willard. now back to Willard and Diggs. Take it away, Mark. All right, Steph. I love it when he calls me Dame Lillard. I love it when you call me Big Papa. Yeah. But I love it when you call me Dame Lillard. Uh, I'll take that contract. Thank you, Steph. Appreciate you. Uh, thanks for being with us here on Willard and Dibs. This has been fun so far. Uh, nowhere near done yet. Doc Pandia about 25 minutes away. Uh, let's get into Eric Armstead and Javon Kinlaw. And oh, by the way... One Josh Allen. Uh, the word this morning on Josh Allen is day-to-day, which is just your ultimate, I'm going to punt on even what I can tell you. We're all day-to-day, Mark. We're all day-to-day. We're all week-to-week. There, there's, there's an obvious sort of thing that happens in NFL teams when they say day-to-day or week-to-week. If they tell you week-to-week, that means it's going to be a minute now. He's going to miss yeah. some games. They tell you day-to-day, it could be anything. Like, we've watched injuries in sports that just dragged. Mike Trout was day-to-day. And then it's like like three months later, you're like, what day is it? Well, we're still day-to-day. But then there was also a we'll see. And and a we'll see is one of the most passive-aggressive statements you will ever hear from high-level sports coaches and executives. We'll see is not good. We'll see usually means no. Um, I've seen two significant will sees this week. One came from Sean McDermott, head coach of the Buffalo Bills, and it immediately made me think, oh, don't, do not expect Josh Allen to play quarterback for the Buffalo Bills this week. I think they play the Vikings, by the way. Yeah, big game. It's kind of a bummer for the 49ers because you'd like the Bills to go out there and beat the Vikings. But then again, uh, the Vikings running away with their division and getting the two seed, not the end of the world either. You're more concerned with teams like the Packers and the Falcons and whatnot. The Seahawks. Just win your division and everything else will work itself out. That's true. That's very true. So that we'll see rang heavy. And then Brian Cashman gave a we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see how it goes with Aaron Judge. And I thought, man, every time you hear a we'll see, it, it, in some way or another, it is someone who is lacking a definitive, positive right. answer to give you. And these are two different we'll sees. And we'll talk to Doc Pandya about uh, the Josh Allen one and the UCL injury. We don't know if it's a strain or I guess it's a ligament, so it would be a sprain. Tendons get strained. He taught me that. So is it a sprained UCL? I figure if it was a torn UCL, we would know that, and he would be undergoing surgery season over. Now, is it just something that he can maybe play through, or it can calm down after a couple of weeks? Doc Pandia joins us, cleared to play UCSF at 11.30. The Yankees, we'll see, is an interesting one, because ultimately, Mark, they don't control that one. Much like Buffalo doesn't control how bad the elbow injury is, but if they're saying we'll see, that tells me that it's not season-ending for Josh Allen. 
for the most part. Now, the other one, the Aaron Judge, the we'll see, it's not up to them as to what Aaron Judge is going to do. So he really is saying, we'll see, which basically means we would like to keep him. We have a price that we want to pay him, and we think that he might be open to staying, but hey, we'll see. Yeah, cautiously optimistic is the phrase that Alex Pavlovich used after uh, talking directly to Brian Cashman yesterday. And before we have Doc Pandia on in about 25 minutes, I'll also mention that David Chow, one of the other really good football docs out there on social media, uh, just nine minutes ago said, see my video below from yesterday to see why Josh Allen will not play this week and likely more. Now, that's just one doc's opinion. Um, but he thinks Josh Allen is going to be out this week and potentially a couple more. We'll get Doc Pandia's thoughts on that coming up in about 25 minutes. Speaking of we'll see. We'll see. It's a long deal. I think the young guys will do more than they're doing. I'd be surprised if this is what it is this early. I think the bench will be better. The starters, they have a good net rating. Um, but but even them, I think there's growth. But again, some of that probably sounds like I'm, I'm painting a rosy picture. But I, I do think this is not a best version of our team. It just isn't. It isn't in any level. If it was, if I thought we were playing great and everybody's clicking and we're four and seven, I'd, I'd be a lot more worried than I am now. So we'll see what happens. Bob Myers, oh, we'll both, see. He, yeah, he bookended the entire comment with a we'll see followed by a we'll see. Uh, that from Steiny and Goo yesterday here on 95.7 The Game, and they did an awesome job. Um, and, and this to me was where you get kind of a good we'll see um, because what Bob Myers said, if you listen to the whole conversation, I walked away with one very clear feeling as the Warriors try to do two things at once, which is win and develop. And it's been the whole theme of Bay Area sports all year long. Giants farm system, 49ers, Trey Lance. Here come the Warriors with Wiseman and Kaminga. We're going to try to win and develop super hard, super hard. But for a Warrior fan, I'm sitting here going, okay, if it doesn't go well, What are you choosing? Are you choosing win? Or are you choosing develop? Are you just going to ride this season out and say, Wiseman and Kaminga have got to play, and we've got to get them up to speed. And so if that means uh, messing up some games along the way and ending up in the play-in tournament, well, so be it. Or are you willing to make big swings in order to maximize the remainder of Steph Curry's career? I felt... He didn't say this in so many words, but I felt in listening to him, he clearly stated, we choose Steph. We choose winning over development. So either these guys will develop and get better or everything's on the table. Well, and I wonder what everything on the table looks like in terms of how you get better 1 through 12 because you need to have depth. The biggest problem with this team is not the top five, the top six players on the floor. The problem is players 7, 8, 9, 10, all the way down to the end of the bench. So how do you get better? Are you willing to sacrifice a lot of your future in order to get better right now? And if you're not getting better right now, and Mark, I mentioned this earlier, trade deadline three months away from today. So between now and the trade deadline, if you remain this kind of team, hovering around 500, slightly above, maybe slightly below, 6 seed, 7 seed, 8 seed, toward the middle of the pack in the Western Conference, what do you do? Because if that's the case, 
Wiseman, Kaminga, Moody, and Poole. I'll put Poole aside, but the, the other three youngsters. He's not getting traded, yeah. They probably haven't played well enough to where their tradeability is that high. So you would need to trade a multitude of them if you want to keep your core together in order to get a player in via trade. Or you go to the buyout market or the free agent market and you add a player with that 15th roster spot. Or, and this is, the I think, the longest shot in terms of how would you make your team better, you would take one of your core six players and trade them for a veteran or two in order to become a deeper team. And that means Draymond goes or Wiggins goes and... I don't know if that's going to be something that they're going to do. 888-957-9570 is the number, and maybe you can put uh, a little bit of a label on how long your patience goes. Um, is it is it December? Is it mid-December? Is it Christmas? Is it January? Is it all the way to the trade deadline? You used the word buyout. So did Bob Myers yesterday on 95.7 The Game. Now, he starts this comment out talking about the greatness of Steph and Steph's performance the other night. But uh, pay close attention to how he finishes it after answering a question from Steiny with regard to new personnel. He's an unbelievable player, and to, to do what he did last night, is, it's you got to treasure that for the people listening, because that's, I don't care if you're a Warrior fan or 10 years old or 90, that's how guys shoot 17 to 24 from the field, 7 to 12 from 3, no turnovers, that's impossible. Like, you can't do that at the YMCA, you can't, it's impossible to do that stuff. And the shot, if you watch the game, the shots he was making are hard, even the twos off the glass, <laughs> I and mean, these are hard shots to make with nobody guarding you. That's him, I know, I don't want to dismiss him, but Matt, we got to see what do we look like, and if, you look, if there's a buyout or something that you think helps, and uh, but we're way, way, that's getting way ahead of ourselves at, at the this point. Yeah, I, I I go back to the same conundrum, which I think you're talking about too, which is if the young guys play better, then you want to keep them. If they don't play better, what is it exactly you're going to get for them? So I, the, the hard part when you know he mentions buyout, he doesn't say trade. But again, I walked away with the feeling like this team and this front office are going to do whatever it takes right. if they can smell victory, and they'll do that this year. But what what even would a trade package look like? Buyout market, that's interesting. You have an open roster spot. But if, if James Wiseman is tap dancing with Santa Cruz at some point this year, um, and, and, and Tim Kawakami, I think, you know, he, he had some interesting comments yesterday with regard to if anybody is going to be traded on this team, Wiseman would be first. I think they're closest in terms of willingness to move on from Wiseman. But doesn't it feel like right now, I mean, it feels like he's at his lowest value in his entire, in his entire career, except for the fact that he's healthy. Right. The only time it'd be worse if he's like, yeah, by the way, he's unproven and his meniscus is torn. Now, at least he's healthy, but now you're getting stuff put on tape that doesn't look very good. And is, does it not look very good because he doesn't fit with this system, or is the player not very good? That's what another team would have to ascertain if they wanted to acquire James Wiseman. And this is where, Mark, if the plan is, and Bob told us when we interviewed him at the Chase Center a few weeks ago, he said, focus on this year is what he told fans, which tells me they're all in on trying to be a championship team this year. So if James Wiseman is a player who doesn't really fit with the Golden State Warriors, and if Wiseman's a player that they do want to move off of, you've got to play James Wiseman and showcase him to where other teams would look at him and say, man, 
Wiseman's a pretty good player. He may not fit with Golden State, but boy, he would fit here. So you can't just leave Wiseman on the bench, DNPs and Santa Cruz, and then try to trade him in February. So the word of the day has been expectations, but here comes the other one. And this is, man, it can be such a cuss word when it comes to sports. But Bob Myers was essentially asking for it. Um, it's obvious that it's needed, but nobody ever wants to give it. And, and that word is patience. So I'm fascinated right now. We sit here on what is today? Today's November 9th. Okay? Today is November 9th. And often many will say, well, Christmas is when the NBA season starts. But by the same token, the Warriors came out the other night against the Sacramento Kings and played it like a playoff game. So how much patience? How far into the season can you go like this without trying to do something significant? Now, Cal Kami was on yesterday and had this to say with regard to any trade conversation involving a young player. They don't want to do any of this. It's not just because of personal preference. Like, they've set this up. So the young guys are coming up, aren't making a ton of money. Jordan Poole just started making money. It's going to be hard to move him. Like This has to work in the way their salary structure is convened. Now, they start trying to get out of it. Things are bad. There's ways. But, man, it's going to be tricky. And I don't think they're going to get the great return on any of this. So it would have to be pretty stark. And it would have to be more than 20 games, I think. 30, 35 games, right up to the deadline, maybe 40, 40 five games before I think there's any real serious consideration for that trigger. But if they did, I think the piece that would be most likely to move is James Wiseman. I'm not sure he fits ever with the Steph Curry Draymond Green team. Now maybe you hold them on hold on to him for the time after those two guys, but maybe they can't wait that long and maybe they shouldn't wait that long. Again, not reporting anything, but if you had to say <laughs> one thing they might be looking at who happens to be one of the owner's favorite players, so that's another point that I want to make in there. That would be the player I'd be looking at, but not till January or February. Okay, that that's was the with, piece that's yeah. so interesting to me. Yeah. The owner's favorite player, yeah. because there's some sensibility that you know you've heard from multiple people connected to the team or outside the team that that was a Lacob pick. That Joe Lacob and the ownership wanted James Wiseman perhaps more than the player personnel people did. Gosh, it's such a dark day when you think back, and maybe that actually was some sort of a sign. I don't know how much I really believe in all that stuff. But you're just about to draft James Wiseman and the Clay Thompson Achilles thing goes down. And the whole whatever it would have been, I don't know if it would have been excitement, intrigue, whatever word you want to use around the Warriors actually drafting James Wiseman, the whole thing felt like it had just been doused by water from the beginning. And now... Take a look at it. Here we are two and a half years later with meniscus injuries and the inability to get on the court. And when you do see him on the court, it looks flawed at best. And his comment in there, I don't know if James Wiseman will ever fit on a Steph Curry, Draymond Green team. If that's the case, I don't know if the Warriors believe that. That would have been a great question to ask Bob, but the Calcomi interview came later. That was with Larry and Ray. But that would be a great question if you could get a real answer in private from a Bob Myers or a Steve Kerr. Right. If James Wiseman doesn't fit... Then you must... Trade it? That works. I was just trying to see where you were going to go. If he doesn't fit with Steph and Dre, then you got to go now. Because... 
whether Draymond Green is long-term for this team, Steph is. Like, don't forget the hidden thing that's going on on this team right now. We talk about transition. Oh, my gosh, the future of the veterans. Steph Curry is not just the one that's untradeable and is signed the longest. He's also playing the best. Steph is not showing any signs of slowing down. And he is one of the most elite players of all time. That gives you an opportunity to compete. So it's not just center around him for this year. It's center around him for probably at least two more after this one. Longer than that. I'm not waiting for 2026 no. for James Wiseman. Because, by the way, you'd have to re-sign him by then anyway. Yeah. So I don't know if that's true. But if it is, man... Get that out of here right now. Well, it can't be right now. It would have to be after you actually play him and have him play well. And ASAP, that's where. ASAP, yes. And, and, but, Mark, that's the interesting thing in terms of threading that needle. Forget two timelines. Think about it in terms of what you just said. If James Wiseman is not a fit with Steph Clay and the way, just the, the general way the Warriors play basketball, okay, now you realize, oh, man. So. Okay, we made a mistake with the draft pick. Fine. We can acknowledge that later. What do we do about it now? Well, we want to trade him. Three months from today, trade deadline. How do we bring up his value at the same time not losing games? Because we talked about this already. You don't have a cushion. You're four and seven. Last year, you were 18 and two. So think about it in those terms. Let's say you started this year like you did last year and you're sitting right now at nine and two. After 11 games. Well, now you can play James Wiseman. You can afford to maybe kick a game or, you know, blow a game here and there. Hey, Wiseman with 17 and 12. Yeah, we lost to Cleveland, but man, James is looking good. We're, we're high on the young kid. And you can't do that, though, because you had to go dig deep to beat Sacramento yeah. in November with a seminal performance well, from Steph Curry. So you, it's going to be hard to thread this needle because... You can't afford to give up minutes in these games because your team's not good enough. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're asking a lot. Like, yeah. I just remember that when you're watching the Warriors right now, you're asking a lot. We're asking a lot. And just one quick uh, correction for all of us because we're used to a June draft. He was drafted November 18th. Okay, so it's two, because I said two and a half years. In it's nine been, days, it'll be the two-year anniversary two year. of the Clay Achilles. Gosh. And the draft pick because of the, because uh, the pandemic. COVID yeah. pandem- pandemic. Yeah. I looked it up because I was trying to think, who else? We all know that they passed on LaMelo Ball. He's the only guy from that draft class, by the way, who's made an all-star team. Anthony Edwards will at some point oh, from Minnesota. He's, yeah, he's better He's than unreal. LaMelo. Yeah, he's but fantastic. Not to be an excuse monger for Bob Myers, but it's not a great draft. If you look at the players who went behind LaMelo Ball, Tyrese Halliburton has been good. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of leveled off a little bit. There hasn't been that many like, oh, God, if only the Warriors could have had that Still player. early, though, remember? Because what did you, you think about Jordan Poole two years after he got drafted? Yeah. Right? And then uh, what do you think of him now? Yeah. Well, maybe what did you think of him two weeks ago? Put it that way. <laughs> you mean now, 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 or now? Then now. <laughs> Seriously. All right, Doc Pandia in about eight minutes. No, Jordan Poole. No, Thank we're, you. we're getting to know him, though. <laughs> I uh, need it. Austin in Redwood City on Willard and Dibbs. Hey, Austin, what are you doing? Hey, nothing on my way to go get some tacos real quick. I just want to charm in on this James Wiseman thing. Like you said, he wouldn't ever, he would never fit with the starters. Just a simple fact that because the Warriors play a lot of small ball basketball 
you can do that with Bogut. You can do that with uh, McGee. But you can't do that with uh, Wiseman because he brings a whole different dynamic to the game. He, he can't show his ability to be uh, a dominant uh, center. He can do that with the second unit. He, anyway, if you do that with the second unit, he has to be first in action. First in action because you got the um, center coach from the Denver that was doing with uh, Jokic. Everybody on the Denver team, when, um, well, it's, it's sit still. Sit still in the corner and Jokic do his thing. Yep. That's what Wiseman has to do coming off the bench. Poole has to be the second option if they want the diamonds, uh, to see the diamonds out of James Wiseman. That's all I got. Yeah. Austin, enjoy the tacos, man. They're elite. So here's the thing about James Wiseman. I'm sitting there listening to Austin, and he's right. James Wiseman on this particular team might actually suffer from his own skill set. Because the reason he's the number two pick in the draft is because he does have an amazing skill set. I don't know if it's ever going to actualize. But this is a seven-footer who can move, he can run, he can shoot from the outside, he can make a free throw. We've seen it. I know it's only been in doses. But he can. He can do those things. Like, he has an offensive skill set. A big man that works with Steph Curry is Kevon Looney. Think about Kevon. Kevon actually has an offensive skill set, but he could give a rip about it. All Kavon wants to do, play defense, rebound, finish, and, and, and be there for the pass. He's a very heady player. Right. Make the right pass. Make the right screen. Be very functional. Never will you be the center of attention. You will always just be over here. Clean some stuff up and we'll cheer so loud. But we're never going to run anything through you. James is the number two pick in the draft. He came into the NBA thinking, some, like, this is going to run through me. He doesn't have the body yeah, to be a I, defensive banger and cleanup guy around, around the rim. So when Tim Kawakami says those two don't fit together, I don't know if that's the case yet, but there is some evidence. No, absolutely. And it's because James Wiseman offensively is incredibly limited. Now, he can... He can shoot the ball, I guess, but he doesn't shoot the ball on this team because they don't want they him don't to want shoot him to the shoot ball. It, right. They don't want Draymond to shoot the ball for the most part. And Kevon Looney's an interesting comparison because athletically, Kevon Looney has a hard time even getting up to the rim to dunk the basketball. A lot of times you see him get offensive rebounds and he won't try and go up because it's not what he does. But his IQ, defense, the headiness, all the rest of it, you're absolutely right. James Wiseman has very limited ball handling. He can't catch to save his life. He doesn't have any offensive moves. He's got a nice-looking shot, but he doesn't shoot free throws because he doesn't get to the foul line. Offensively, his game, what it could eventually be, is amazing, but he's not going to get those opportunities on this team because you don't need him to do that when you've got Poole, Clay, Wiggins, and Steph, who are all going to be better scorers. Okay, Aziz Alshire, Debo Samuel, Eli Mitchell, Javon Kinlaw, Eric Armstead, Josh Allen. We get into all of that with Doc Pandia for Cleared to Play coming up next on Willard and Dibs. Willard and Gibbs on 95.7 The Game. Are you hurt? Are you healthy? I'm always hurt. I'm dealing with an Achilles tendon strain, not a sprain. Ligaments are sprained. Tendons are strained. That's very well played. Appreciate it. If that's the case, you should stop running around the office the way you just did. I had to get my Golden State copy. Like a mad person. When I forget, we forget. (laughs) 
had to scramble, Mark. That's good. That's good. You had to scramble? Like like Justin Fields? I told him to stop scrambling. Seriously. And he wouldn't listen. And it was really annoying. Uh, it's time for Claire to play, where we take you inside the tent to get you updated on the latest injuries in the Bay. Proud to partner with UCSF Health on this segment and bring an associate professor of orthopedic surgery. That is Dr. Narav Pandya. Come on, Doc. Let's go. How you doing today? Guys, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm, I'm a little worried about Dan, though. You know, if the Achilles is acting up, that could be that could be some time off. We don't want that to happen. No, and thankfully, I have a sedentary job other than when I forget my Golden State lumber read and I have to run to my locker and back. But, Doc, I'm also dealing with a UCL injury of my own from holding this baby. Uh, if it's a grade one, what am I looking at in terms of being cleared to swaddle? You know, I think, you know, it definitely depends on your swaddling technique. If yeah. you're more of a stationary swaddler in the pocket or more of a running type swaddler. But, That's uh, a great call. In general, you know, seven to ten days out. Seven to ten days out. You'll uh, okay, what if uh, what if a much more highly paid person <laughs> had a UCL injury? Then, then, then what would you say about the quarterback of the Buffalo Bills? <laughs> yeah, so I think in general, when, you know, everyone here is Josh Allen, UCL, they automatically jump to, oh, this is a pitcher, you need surgery. First of all, this injury in quarterbacks is extremely rare. I mean, there are only a handful that have actually had them. And actually, we know very closely here in the Bay, Nick Mullins actually had a UCL injury and is one of the few quarterbacks that actually underwent surgery. But in general, because the throwing motion is different, the velocity is different, the velo- then the volume is different, the vast majority of these injuries are treated without surgery in quarterbacks, and most of them can get back to play pretty quickly. Um, the key thing is making sure pain's under control, they have good strength, they, and their accuracy is there. So it's more about managing pain than it is anything else. But I would not be concerned about this being a season-ending injury for Josh Allen. It's something that they should be able to manage pretty well um, as, as the year goes on. Yeah, short of surgery, which you figure if it was a grade three, they already would have cut to that chase. So good news for Bills fans. Niners have a bunch of MCL guys. Um, you know, the, the ligament that Mitchell and Al Shire and McKivitz have hurt. What does their return to play look like? Yeah, so they're kind of all in that six to eight week time frame for what you would expect for kind of your, your garden variety grade two MCL. Um, so they're right at that time point when you expect them to get back. I think the key thing that's going to really differentiate how their performance is is really based on position. You know, I think Al Shair, linebacker, should probably have the minimal least impact in terms of his game. You have time to react to that position. There's not as much kind of cutting and pivoting that happens at the spur of the moment. So I think his impact will probably be the less. Um, I think McKibbitt's at the line, you know, just because more people are falling on that leg. Um, could be a little bit more hindered, particularly if he's getting contact. I think for Mitchell, that's probably going to be the toughest return to play. Now, we do know that players coming off an MCL, they won't have any long-term issues. But I think in the contents of a running back where you're having to do constant cutting, constant kind of change of direction, um, it could potentially be a little bit less in terms of how much we see him out there in his performance. But once again, just like with Debo, having McCaffrey there will allow him to have less of a load and hopefully then allow him to have those good spurts where he can be out there for a couple player, uh, a couple carries and, and be a good change of pace back to the team. Yeah, and, and also remembering that Eli was the first one of the group to get hurt. That was all the way back in the first half of week one uh, against the uh, Chicago Bears. Uh, Doc, last time we saw Kyle Juszczyk, one of his ten fingers was absolutely not like the others. Uh, it, it was uh, it was heading the wrong direction. Uh, what 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 are his chances to uh, to play this week, and what's he looking at? Yeah, so I think, you know, he's right within that two- to three-week timeline for these kind of garden-variety finger fractures. So, And I think he, there were reports he was actually out of practice, um, you know, this week. So I think, um, I think all signs point to him being effective uh, in playing, particularly since the position he plays. I mean, he's not catching a lot of passes. He's not 
holding the ball a lot. So with a finger fracture, assuming that it's stable and he's doing well, he should be able to block and do all the things that make him effective uh, at that position. So I expect him to be out there. Eric Armstead, foot issues. It was uh, plantar fasciitis. Then it became an ankle. What's he looking at in terms of his ability to come back from a myriad of foot issues? Yeah, you know, I think the, the plantar fasciitis obviously is the thing you worry about from like a, a long-term perspective because it can be you know, hard to predict. There's not a timeline for when this will get better. And now, obviously, potentially having this quote-unquote hairline ankle fracture may have forced him to, to kind of rest that area as well, too. For these hairline injuries, typically it's about four to six weeks uh, in terms of when you get back. So that puts him on pace to play in the next week or two. Um, obviously, a lot of that is based on where in the ankle it is, you know, how big the player is and, and what it looks like on x-ray. But, you know, it's kind of a chicken versus the egg. You know, did this did this ankle fracture develop because he was compensating for the plantar fasciitis or did the plantar fasciitis develop because there was an ankle fracture there as well, too. So hopefully both these issues get addressed for him and he can be a good, good contributor for us in this, uh, this next stretch run. Doc, I got a Debo question, and it's this. Um, it, it sounds like he's going to be back. We never really knew the extent of the hamstring injury. But when Charvarius Ward and Trent Williams, and I know these were different injuries, but when they came back, it was very clear that, that they were not fully themselves and it somewhat compromised their play. Is there any of that in the back of your mind with Debo this week? Yeah, you do worry a little bit about that because, you know, in general for hamstrings, even if they're minor ones, I mean, you're not going to fully, fully heal them until four to six weeks, particularly at the speed position. So where you potentially see that impact is, you know, when Debo's trying to explode or doing those kind of change of pace type things, does he look a little slow or he's a little bit hesitant? Um, that's where you may see it. Um, but, you know, it sounded like more than anything else you're being cautious, and he's dealt with this before, so I don't think necessarily there's going to be a mental component. But you may particularly see him not, you know, be as me- be as effective in terms of yards after the catch because he can't separate from the defense as much. So you may see a little bit of that impact the next week or two. But given the fact that he's dealt with this so much, he probably knows how to get his body ready for, for playing. Um, and then uh, last thing, Doc, uh, the right shoulder's been killing me. Uh, back spasms oh, last boy. week, but hopeful Oof. of golf on Friday. Uh, I- I- am I cleared to play? You, you are cleared <laughs> to play. A little Advil, a little ice. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, you're, you're good to go. I think your, your overall performance and prognosis may be a little bit bigger than Dan. Okay, all right. That hurts. Fantastic. And, and if the shoulder keeps hurting like hell, uh, I, 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 like I know your phone number, but I don't know your address, and, and, and so I might need it. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime, you know, I'm here to help everyone out at the station as they as they get cleared to play. Okay, well, perfect. you can add hurt feelings to my list of injuries now, Doc, because uh, you say I'm broken. So there you go. Well, <laughs> sometimes the truth hurts, Dan. Yeah, it does. Age is a factor, <laughs> uh, Doc. Thank you so much. <laughs> no problem. Take care, guys. All right. The proceeding was sponsored by UCSF Health. It, it, no joke. Like, I mean, the, the, as you said, it's Veterans Day Friday. Kids are off school. Boys want to go play golf. I'm like, absolutely. You want to go have family time. Here we go. And I'm like, Some, something bad's going to happen. I the, Like, like it's just, uh, this is stupid. I probably shouldn't go, but, you know, I'm going to be there. Yeah. I'm going to be, be fine. Yeah. It's got to stretch. You get to the point stretch. now where you got to really stretch yeah. it out yeah. before you get hurts. out there. Yeah, and I hear you. You got the shoulder, you got the back, and, you know, the threat of a migraine looming around the corner. Omnipresent. Yeah, hopefully we can stay away from the migraine. You can deal with the other stuff. Advil and ice. Okay, perfect. Uh, I'm on that right now. The Uh, rice method. Rest, ice, compression, and elevation. Okay, You always want to go to the rice method for all of your injuries, all your myriad injuries. Believe me, I'm always nursing two or three, and I'm telling the truth about... 
the inner part of my arm from the the baby hold. Because every time, are you really are you seriously? It's a little tender. You're you're, you're hurt from holding your baby. Coach, was, she's getting big. She's what nine pounds? Coming up on ten now. Knocking on ten's <laughs> door. You're like not nine. It's ten. And you got she's incredibly. It's got to be a secure hold. You can't have you know. Let's just put it this it's way. Like you're holding a plate of pasta. You gotta be okay. I'm man. not letting James Wiseman hold my okay. baby. Okay. You cannot have the dropsies oh, when it comes to the baby. Ground. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a long fall. Aaron Judge, though, you can hold my oh, baby. Aaron, yeah, Aaron's got good hands. And, my baby. And we are going to get Aaron because he's our baby. He's our pet project, at least. We're going to get him tomorrow yep. live in Linden, Willard and Dibs. So, everybody, we need to all have a gather around, okay? Yeah, gather okay. around. We're going to gather each other's hands, and I want to hold hands with everybody out there, at least energetically. Let's hold hands, and let's pray. Uh, that uh, the, the 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 equipment uh, will work uh, because we are going to be live tomorrow in the, in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, um, it's also middle of somewhere. Also known, judge. Well, now known as the center of everything. Exactly, like the set blotter of the map. I am the president of everything. Look at you. It is with the FIFA. You thought I didn't have any soccer knowledge. I didn't think you had FIFA in you. We yeah. got a World Cup match to get ready for yeah, you later do. this month. A couple okay? of them. Yeah, yeah. They might play more than one. <laughs> Hopefully, I believe that we will win. Um, and I believe that Steiny and Goo are going to be in here next. And there was one more very heavy comment made on our station yesterday. We you heard from Bob Myers. You obviously heard from uh, Jama Malalela. Nailed uh, it. You've heard from Tim Kawakami. There was one more very heavy-handed prediction about the remainder of the season. Oh. It was made yesterday. We'll have that for you coming up next on Withered and Devs. Hey, it's Moses Moody with the Golden State Warriors. Now back to Willard and Dibs. Thank you, Moses. Appreciate you right here on Willard and Dibs, 95.7 The Game. Appreciate all of you. Thank you for uh, for the hang here on 95.7 The Game like you always do. For Bonte and Joe, for me and Dibs, for Steiny and Goo, for Damon and Ratto. Um, having a great time through one of the biggest sports periods of the year every year. And there's so much going on. Um, so much so that with the launch of MLB Free Agency tomorrow, we are going on a roadie. I love it. Uh, we are going on the roadie, and I see you, Tim Jones, on YouTube, who just stated definitively for the public consumption, if Judge does not sign with the Giants, he will reference these two guys who stalked his family as the reason he does not come. I flip what you say around, Tim. Yeah, flip it. The effort starts now. That at the Aaron Judge introductory San Francisco Giants press conference, he shouts out Willard and Dibs because he was on the fence and he wanted to know which market, which team would care about him more. And it was that radio show that showed up on a street corner in Linden, California. One show awkwardly followed he and his loved ones in, around town. In a world without many people in it. Uh, that's that's <laughs> where we're going. In a town <laughs> where anonymity was normally our rite of passage. Live in Linden tomorrow. Join us. We're going to have some fun. We're going to see if we can find Aaron. We're going to see if we can freak his family and his friends out. Sure. Everybody who's ever met him, his coaches, his teammates. 
his childhood teachers, uh, people at the gas station, whatever it is, we'll talk to him, and we're going to get everything we need to know to kidnap Aaron Judge and bring him back to San Francisco. So that's happening tomorrow. Um, but that is not going to take our focus away also from the Warriors and from the San Francisco 49ers, who I thought got a little pat on the back from a very inside voice who comes on our station every single week, and that is Peter King. And I, I, this isn't breaking any news. We understand what we think the 49ers should be versus what they are. And we come up with all kinds of reasons. Well, Christian McCaffrey and now Garoppolo is starting to play a little bit better. And boy, that defense and D'Amico Ryans. But why aren't they more consistent? I really believe what Peter says here with regard to whether or not they should be able to end up in the final four. Look at it like college hoops. Should. The 49ers end up in the final four, meaning at least the NFC Championship game yet again this year. Health. Their number two issue is health. Their number three issue is health. Because you've seen it. We've all seen it. When the 49ers fail, other than overthrowing Emmanuel Sanders in the Super Bowl at a key moment, when the 49ers fail so often in the first six seasons, of Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, it has been because they can't keep their team on the field. So there's no real way to sugarcoat this other than to say that if this team stays healthy down the stretch, there's no reason why they can't be in the Final Four again. And I think they will be in the Final Four again. It's a huge if, but it also is a simplistic one. The 49ers are about to get healthy. I don't know if they're going to stay that way. Right. And there is some evidence to suggest that they won't. That they won't. But they've got a little bit more of a cushion now with oh, Christian gosh. McCaffrey and yep. getting their other running backs back. And uh, you've got, you know, Debo and Ayuk. You do have Jennings behind them. The biggest one is the quarterback. If you lose Jimmy Garoppolo, well, sure. then all bets are off. But in, Pete, in Peter's, you know, scenario, if you win the division, even if you're the three seed, you feel like you can go to Minnesota if they're the two seed and win that game. You well, can win it, a home playoff game. Yeah. You can go to Minnesota and beat the Vikings. You might even be favored over Minnesota in that spot. Well, you, by then, if you end up winning the division, that would presuppose that the second half went really well. I do think you'd be favored. Uh, we've seen that act before. We've watched Kirk Cousins go right. up against the 49ers in the playoffs, and it's not close. And I look at the Vikings, and listen, you don't end up 7-1 and one on accident in the NFL. Uh, but I also think you're, you're looking at a team here that's had a whole lot of three-point here, two-point there down the stretch in the fourth quarter. You can look at that two ways. They're handling close games really well. I could also say they're a breath away from being four and four themselves. So we'll see how the second half of the season goes for them, for sure. Um, but yeah, play that out with me. If the 49ers win the division and they're the three seed, right. So they take on the six. Philadelphia gets a bye. Yep. Two plays seven, three Correct. plays six, four plays five. Right. So four would four be Tampa. Four's going to be, let's say, let's Tampa say. Bay, right? And they're going to play the top wild card team, which in theory it's might Dallas. be Dallas. Let's say Dallas. Perfect. All right. So it's Dallas. So are we heading toward the potential of the Seattle Seahawks? Being the very first or the New York Giants. Right. I'm thinking the Giants right now. Let's Giants just, or yeah. Seahawks be the team that would, be, in theory, come to Levi's. This is if the Correct. 49ers can win the division. Yeah. And the, the, the other cool thing about being the three and not the four is that if you win your first playoff game, you're looking at Vikings and not Eagles. Right. Right. 
although they still do reseed the playoffs, right? So the they absolutely reseed. Yeah, yes, so, but if you're the three seed, you cannot end up well unless Minnesota loses, right? And then then you'd be hosting the next round. Good point. Then yeah, you'd you be couldn't hosting possibly the be the not, lowest seeded of yeah, the remaining. You cannot play the Philadelphia Eagles in uh, round yeah, two. Yeah, good point. They would have to go all the good way to the point. NFC title game. Yeah, so. Yeah. I, I think that that would be a great road. Seattle or New York at home, you'd be favored. You go to Minnesota, you might it might be a, a toss up coin yeah. coin flip kind of game. I mean, long long way to go here, but uh, yeah. but yeah, they're just that's kind of why I, this is where the optimism sits. I think for a lot of 49er fans right now and media members, pundits around. When you look at it right now, there's not a whole lot of matchups. There's not a whole lot of matchups that right now frighten the hell out of you, other than a trip to Philly. Yes. And I'm not even sure. I'm like, they're good. I'm not, there's no question about that. I'm, I'm not even sure that that feels insurmountable no, in any not sort insurmountable, of a way. But I think that if you went to Philly end of January NFC Championship game, you would be three and a half point underdogs at, at the minimum. Yeah, if it, yeah, and against a mobile quarterback and... You know, if they if they run the table and they're the one seed, Jalen Hurts might be the MVP at that point. So I know we're putting the cart way ahead of the horse, but Peter King started it. Yes, he certainly did, and and he's not alone with that thought whatsoever.